Thank you for downloading the podcast. We believe the Word of God will richly bless you today. Now let's get right into the Word with Pastor Rusty Martin. Hallelujah. I invite you to turn to Ephesians chapter 2, excuse me, chapter 1. We're studying the subject of redemption. It happens that our teaching this morning falls on the subject of what happened from the cross to the throne. It's easily understood. It's not a great mystery kept hidden somewhere in some far off place. God put it in his word so that we would have understanding of all that he's done for us in Christ. I can't give you explanations that satisfy the mind because the Bible is not an intellectual book. Does anybody realize that? The Bible is a spiritual book. It touches the heart, touches the spirit of man. Many times man stretches his mind to try to embrace the things of God. But if you try to embrace the things with God with your intellect, you will always come up short. You will always come up disappointed. But if you will allow that which is on the inside to have understanding. Does anybody know what understanding is? You know, I used to travel quite a lot for 18 years. I traveled all over the world preaching the gospel. And I didn't know how to fly an airplane, but I had an understanding on how to get on one. Anybody know what I'm talking about? I didn't know, I didn't know how that airplane got from Los Angeles, California to Manila or from Los Angeles to Honolulu, or from, Los An- or from, or from Atlanta to Dublin, Ireland, or, or London, England. But all I knew was this. If I had the right ticket, I could enjoy all the benefits of all that incredible information that those pilots and engineers had. I could enjoy all the benefit of it and get right to where I needed to be. You know, the same thing's true of God. You don't need an explanation for everything that satisfies your mind. All you need is an understanding that God loves you. Everybody say, God loves me. Say it again. Say it again. Some of you have never said that before. Some of you have never said that before. You ought to say that every day. God loves me. Everybody say, God's not mad at me. Say it again. You know, some of you have never said that before. You need to say that every day. God's not mad at me. God cares about me. Everybody say, God cares about me. You ought to say that every day about yourself because God does. He loves you. He cares about you. He's not mad at you. So many people think God's a mean God. He's not a mean God. He's a good God. He loves us with a love that cannot be explained or measured. It can only be experienced. Amen. Ephesians chapter 2. Let's read a scripture real quick. Powerful prayer that was prayed here in Ephesians chapter 1. Why do I keep saying 2? Ephesians chapter 1, verse 15. Wherefore I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus, and love unto all the saints, cease not to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may grant unto you the spirit of wisdom, revelation in the knowledge of him, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of your calling, what is the riches of the glory of the inheritance in the saints. Now notice verse 19 very closely. And what is the exceeding greatness of his power to usward who believe according to the working of his mighty power? which he wrought in Christ. I like that. Which he wrought in, another translation says this, which he demonstrated in Christ. Which he demonstrated in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in heavenly places. Listen to this now. Far above, far above all principality and power and might, and dominion, and every name that is named, 
not only in this world, but also in that which is to come. Now listen to this in verse 22. And hath put all things, I like this, and hath put all things under his feet and gave him to be the head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him that filleth it all in all. Now we must understand when we, last week we studied the, the, the earthly ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ. We determined by the scriptures, especially there in Hebrews 1, that Jesus is, in the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, Jesus is God speaking to us. What is the will of God for healing? Well, he spoke to a leper. A leper came to him in Matthew 8 and said, I know if you want to, you can heal me. Jesus said, I will, touched him, and made him whole. Uh, one, one story that impressed me was a woman that they caught in the act of adultery. Could you imagine how humiliating? It must have been to even be in that act, much less to be caught. And then dragged in front of a bunch of people and ridiculed and wanting to stone her. And then Jesus brought her in front of Jesus, brought her for judgment. That's what he brought. They brought that woman for judgment and she didn't get judgment. She got mercy. Oh, how aren't you going? Anybody, any guilty people you have, any guilty, man, I know I've been guilty so much. I thank God God gave me mercy and not judgment. He told the woman, he said, where are your accusers? Well, I want you to know if God's not accusing you, you're not in trouble. I said, if God's not accusing you, you're not in trouble. The Bible says in Acts chapter 10, verse 38, Peter's preaching to a group there at Cornelius' house. He said, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth. He went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. Now, you've got to understand something about the earth walk of Jesus. Everything you see in the Gospels is something God desires to do for mankind today. Save them, heal them, deliver them, set them free, give them abundance, give them provision. One of the first things Jesus said, he said, I'm come to preach the gospel to the poor. The word gospel, good news to the poor. What's the good news to the poor? You don't have to be poor anymore. Serve Jesus. Serve the Lord. You don't have to be poor anymore. But we know he didn't come just to live on the earth and do miracles. His destiny was Calvary. His destiny was Golgotha. His destiny was death. His destiny was crucifixion. What's amazing about the process, that that happened that day actually began at the beginning of a feast, the beginning of a celebration, uh, 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 Passover time celebration even going on right now uh, among the Jewish people celebrating what? the coming out of Egypt the great deliverance of God judging the ten demon gods of Egypt brought uh, Israel out through signs, wonders, miracles sustained them in the desert for 40 years and then brought them into the land the Bible says that flows with milk and honey now here they are celebrating Passover Jesus meets with them in what we know as the Last Supper, does something very unusual, reaches over and takes the cup only reserved for the Messiah. It's actually called, it's actually named the Messiah's Cup. It's on every Passover table. Nobody's ever allowed to touch it unless they are the Messiah. That day, Jesus reached over, took the cup, said, this is my blood. A new covenant, a new testament is fixing to be established. He tried to encourage them. He took them to a, a, a prayer meeting over in Gethsemane. As he began to pray, the Bible says it's, he began to sweat, as it were, great drops of blood. They began to roll down his faith, face. And then one of his own, one of his men that traveled with him, Judas Iscariot, had betrayed him for 30 pieces of silver, delivered Jesus up to the Sanhedrin. They come and they took him. But we must understand something about this that is happening with Jesus in this particular time. There was only one priesthood on the planet, 
ordained by God. The house of Levi, Levi being a particular child of, of uh, uh, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, particular tribe that was raised up in Israel. To them was given all of the traditions and the laws of the, of the Levitical priesthood in which they decade after decade and century after century would offer up how many tens of thousands of spotless lambs upon the altars of the tabernacle and the temple of Egypt. Playing out a drama every time they did it of something that would take place one day in which the last spotless lamb would shed his blood not just for the nation of Israel but for the entire world. For God so loved the world that he gave. So don't get mad at the Jewish people. We thank God. Don't say, oh, I wish they wouldn't have taken him. No, you're glad he did. Don't say, I wish he wouldn't have spilled his blood. No, you need to thank God that he did give himself willingly. Now, another amazing truth. If you study humanity up until the point of the Roman Empire and its reign in the world, all of the other world, all of the other nations, all of the other people that had become world-dominant powers. We could name the Assyrians, the Babylonians, the Greeks. There were others. Then there were the Romans. Now, what was unique about the Romans is they did not go into the, quote, known world and just destroy it, rape and pillage, steal everything they could steal, bring it back to their own nation, and then revel in it for how many years and then just be destroyed. They didn't do that. Rome made a decision to govern. Everybody say govern. So they set up outposts. They set up leaders all around the area that they had conquered. They prided themselves on instituting a system of government in which a man actually had a say-so in a court of law. So we can determine by the Roman government at that time. Now think about this. They were at that time the most just government on the earth. They would afford a man a trial. They would afford somebody their quote day in court. So Israel did not have the right, nor did they have the power to crucify Jesus. Rome did. So they went to a man named Pontius Pilate. And it's amazing. I believe it's in Luke's uh, account of the, uh, of the trial that took place. Three different times. I'm going to say three. In the Word of God, it says seven times. It says in the mouth of two or three witnesses, let every word be established. Three different times, Pilate said, no, he's done nothing worthy of death. I find no fault in this man. You know, what he was you know what he was doing? He was declaring the sacrifice spotless. I said he was declaring the sacrifice spotless. The Bible says they beat him. They pulled his beard. They blindfolded him. They mocked him. They took a, a, what they call the cat of nine tails, 40 stripes minus one, which is 39. Many doctors and people that study medicine will tell you that all of the different diseases of the planet are classified into one of 39 classifications. Jesus took a stripe for every one of them so that you could be healed. Isn't that good news? They beat him, they bruised him, and his blood flowed. It flowed in the Garden of Gethsemane. It flowed when they plucked his beard and beat him. It flowed on the inside. It flowed on the outside. It flowed when they put the crown of thorns upon his head. The Bible says when mankind fell, that the planet fell, and thorns and thistles begin to grow. Isn't it good to know that one day we're going to rule and reign for a thousand years on the earth with Jesus called the millennial reign? There'll be no thorns. There'll be no thistles. Come on, church. There'll be no mosquitoes biting on you. There'll be none of the, none of the curse will be upon us. Amen. Your bodies will not age. They will not grow old. Then after that, we'll rule and reign with Him forever. In a new heaven, a new earth, and a new Jerusalem. 
But it happened because Jesus was willing to go to what? The cross on Golgotha's hill. Calvary. The Bible says those different names, one being Aramaic, the other Latin, which actually means the place of the skull. The crucifixion was so powerful that not only did it affect the spirit of man, it could also affect the mind of man. The mind of man that was so corrupted. So they took him, the innocent lamb of God. What a sacrifice. They beat him, they scourged him. The Bible says they took nails and they put them in his hands. Think of all the wrong that the hands of man had done. But think that Jesus took wounds in his hands so he might redeem the hands of man so that we could do the work of God. Think of the feet as they placed the nails in the feet. How many armies marched on their feet back in those days and went to destroy each other. And now today, because of the feet of the Lord Jesus Christ and the wounds that he took, he said that we are what? We are shod with the preparation of the gospel of what? Peace upon our feet everywhere we go. But you must understand that all of the wounds that Jesus took and all that went on in crucifixion, he was doing something in accumulating all that was wrong with you and all that was wrong with me. Remember, never forget this, that the sacrifice of the Lord Jesus Christ was substitutionary. God had no problem with the devil. The devil wasn't a threat to God. He didn't cower at the enemy. He did not in any way be intimidated by the devil. It was us that had a problem with the devil. It was us that was separated from God. It was humanity that was suffering under the fall of Adam with sickness, disease, poverty, war, you name it. We suffered under it. And Jesus came. Isaiah said it like this. Being a prophet and what the Bible calls a seer. He saw down through the portals of time. And he saw Jesus suffering on the cross. And he said it like this. He was wounded for our transgressions. Bruised for our iniquity. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. By his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. Each and every one to his own way. But the Lord hath laid upon him the iniquity of us all. Can you imagine a God that loved you so much that He allowed a part of Himself to come down and get into a human body and for that human body to be taken? One preacher said it like this. He said, I always wondered why Jesus didn't come as a shepherd. He came as a carpenter. He says, and the reason I finally figured out that Jesus came as a carpenter is with three rusty nails and a bunch of old nasty lumber, He built a bridge from God to humanity. By doing what? By taking my sin. By taking my iniquity. I know we prayed for several people here that have addictions. He took your addiction. You don't have to take it anymore. You don't have to suffer under the sway of that anymore. He took your pain. He took your suffering. He knows what it's like to be rejected. He knows what it's like to be spit on and hated. He knows it. You say, why? He took everything that was wrong with us so that we might have everything that is right with Him. What's amazing about that? The Bible says in Isaiah 52, if you back up a couple of scriptures from Isaiah 53, you'll see that Isaiah saw him and he said his body was so marred and so disfigured that when we looked upon him, we couldn't even tell that he was a human being. Now, without getting too detailed this morning, because I know some of you have not been with us as we've taught on redemption, we know that when Adam sinned in the garden, he died. God spoke to his creation and said, in the day you eat thereof, you shall surely die. He created man and he put him in a garden and in the garden was all the provision he would ever need. 
But he also gave him something called a choice. Everybody say a choice. Something about God and choice that I haven't figured out to this day. But even as a Christian, God will not violate your choice. He will do everything he can do to make sure you know you still have a choice. You still have a choice. Adam and the woman choose to eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And when he did, he fell. He became separated from God. Spiritual death entered in because of sin. Only sin can cause spiritual death. And when Jesus came to the earth, he was not spiritually dead. His father was not Adam. His father was not Joseph. His father was God Almighty. He did not have the same kind of blood flowing in his veins that we had. He did not have the blood A positive, A negative, whatever it may be. He had divine blood. He had the blood of Almighty God. He was a sinless man walking on the earth in correct relationship to his God. But upon the cross, he began to accumulate. Number one, iniquity. Everybody say iniquity. That was his bruising. Iniquity is inward. It is the motivation that is in every person. Once what we call the day of accountability comes and you begin to make choices, you never make the right one. How many have ever learned that in raising children? You don't teach your children to lie, you teach them not to. You don't teach them to steal, you teach them not to. They do those things naturally. That is a manifestation of the sin of all of our father, Adam. He caused us to be born into the human race, separated from God. But then the last Adam, anybody know his name? Jesus. He hung up on the cross and he began to accumulate all that. Listen, he wasn't dying like the thief on the right side or the thief on the left side. They were dying of suffocation as they lifted themselves up continually over and over and over upon the nails in their hands and the nails in their feet. They were dying of suffocation. But Jesus died because of the iniquity and the sin of you and I. And when it came upon him to its fullest extent, he cried out, It is finished. I got it all. Come on, church. I got it all. I got all the iniquity. I got all the sin. I got all the disease. I got all the addiction. I got it all. All right, all right. Devil, it is finished. And the Bible said, if the princes of this world would have known, they would have never crucified the Lord of glory because they looked upon that cross and they forgot who he was. They only saw what he had. Oh, come on, church. They saw that he had your sin. They saw that he had my sin. And they said, well, here's what we'll do. We'll just take him to hell. And so they took him past that place in paradise where Abraham was. And they took him into hell. And for three days and three nights, they had high carnival in hell. But there's something about, listen, listen, listen. Jesus was not just living. We're just living. We're just living. Jesus was not just living. It was the living that had a problem with spiritual death. It was the living when they died outside the covenant of God, went to the place of eternal death or eternal separation from God. But Jesus was not just the living. He said it himself. I am the way. I am the truth. He said, I am the life. Everybody say, dumb devil. That dumb devil took life itself into hell. He took light into where there was darkness. And after three days and three nights, as it says, we just read in Ephesians, God said, I'm fixing to demonstrate to you some power. 
He's got all the sin. He's got all the sickness. He's got all the iniquity. He's got all the addiction. He's got all the problems of humanity upon him. But I'm going to send my spirit into the region of the damned, and he's going to cause him to be re-energized, re-enlightened. He will come back to life. And when he does, he's going to rise up. He's going to spoil the devil. For this reason was the Son of God manifest that he might loosen and dissolve the works of the devil. And the Bible says he did what? He spoiled principalities and powers, made a show of them openly, triumphing over them in it. And God says, you want to see a demonstration of power? We saw some power. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. We saw some power in the Old Covenant. Splitting of the sea. Manna coming from heaven. David slaying Goliath. We saw some power when Jesus walked on the earth. Woman with the issue of blood healed. Ten lepers healed. Blind people healed. Provision given. Walking upon the sea. But God says, that's just a demonstration. Let me show you the demonstration. So what you do is you set your problem up against the resurrection. And you'll see how small your problem gets. Because that is the demonstration of how much power God released so that you could be free, so that you could be healed, so that you could be saved, so that you could be delivered, so you could have a destiny in your life. God said, I'm going to give them all the power they need and then some. Death couldn't hold him. He came out of that grave with the keys. Everybody say the keys. To death, hell, and the grave. A little woman that wouldn't back off, wouldn't quit. John chapter 20 tells the story. So on the first day of the week, early in the morning, she ran to that tomb. She just knew if Jesus were there, I want to be there. I don't care if he's dead, I want to be there. If Jesus is there, I want to be there. And guess what she found? Nothing. The stone was rolled away. The tomb was empty. She looked in. She couldn't see. She said, I don't know what's going on. She ran back to find the great preachers, Peter and John. They ran down, looked into the tomb. They saw nothing, shook their heads and turned and walked away. The Bible says it's a beautiful story. John 20, verse 13. And as Mary stood without the sepulcher weeping, she looked in. Sometimes it takes a second look, folks. She looked in and seeth two angels, one sitting at the head, the other of the feet of where the body of Jesus had lain. And they said to her, Woman, why weepest thou? Whom seekest thou? The Bible says she turned herself around and saw what she's supposed to be the gardener. He said the same thing. Woman, why weepest she? Whom seekest thou? She says, Look, if you've taken him away, Tell me where you're taking him, and I will go there and be with him. And the Bible says, Jesus said to her, Mary. Listen, it may be so dark in your life, you can't see anything that God's doing, but you can still hear his name. You can still hear his word. When he speaks your name and says, it's going to be okay, I'm going to get you out of this, he will speak your name. Listen, Jesus is a personal God. You can talk about God in his universal setting all day long with any old heathen in the world. But I guarantee you, when you start talking about Jesus, the slain, risen Lamb of God that took away the sins, the sickness, the disease, and the depravity of the world, it gets real personal. Jesus turned and said to her, Touch me not. Now this is a key. For I'm not yet ascended. But go and tell. Everybody say, go tell. Ooh, I could preach a mess. I could preach. Boy, I wish I was at a woman's conference. You say, why? I could preach about two gardens. You say, what do you mean? One garden where the woman lost all of her dignity, lost all of her value, all of her worth. And then another garden, a garden tomb, where when Jesus came out, the first person he revealed himself to was a woman. And told her what? Go tell. Go tell. The first commissioned preacher of the New Testament was a woman. Go tell. He is risen. But he said this, touch me not, touch me not. Hadn't been completed. I've not yet ascended to my father, to your father, to my God and your God. Now can you imagine this? 
Said it in the early service. Mentioned it on Friday night. What must have been going on in the spirit realm? We know in the natural realm, the Bible says darkness came from the third to the sixth hour, which literally means from noon till three o'clock. Over the entire land, darkness. The earth shook and convulsed. You say, what was happening? Literally, literally, planet earth came closer to the brink of destruction than it ever has. Because the creator of the universe was dying on a cross for you and I. And the sun refused to shine on it. And the earth convulsed and shook. And Jesus went down into the bowels of the earth. For three days and three nights. I bet the spirit realm was quiet as hell had hell held high carnival. Angels folded their wings. The father probably bowed his head. But then all of a sudden, Jesus came up out of the tomb. All of those Old Testament saints, it says that in Ephesians chapter 4, he led captivity captive. He took, could you imagine how David must have danced that day? Could you imagine what those Old Testament saints must have been experiencing as they came into the heaven itself, the throne of Almighty God? The Bible says these died in faith, having not yet received the promise. But that day, the promise was leading them to heaven. But could you imagine what a holy, sanctified, reverent moment that must have been as the Son, Jesus, resurrected with the scars of the covenant in His side, in His hands, in His head, and in His feet, when the blood of Jesus Himself took and poured it on the mercy seat. Not on the judgment seat, on the mercy seat of Almighty God. And the Father looked at Him and said this, If they'll believe in their heart and confess with their mouth, that I raised you from the dead, they'll be saved. For with a heart, they can believe unto righteousness. And with their mouth, confession can be made unto salvation. It's so simple. It's so easy. People go out and live their whole lives working so hard, trying to get God to see what they're doing. But Jesus didn't come to make bad people good. He came to make dead people alive. And when he rose from the dead and he came out of the tomb, he was living from among the the firstborn, the first begotten of God. And where Adam had lost it all and had become the master copy of humanity, Jesus got it all back and became the new master copy. And you may have been born into the human family, but if you've not been born into God's family, it's so easy. It says, if you shall believe in your heart, confess with your mouth, that that God that cares about and loves you so much raised His Son Jesus from the dead, you shall be saved. There's not a good work good enough for you to do it. There's no benevolence benevolent enough for you to get it. If you earned a trillion dollars and gave it all to the poor, it still would not redeem you. There's only one way. You know, they teach today. Humanism would say, there's the mountain of God and there's many ways to climb it. There's the Christian way. There's the Buddhist way, there's the Muslim way, there's the Shinto way, there's this way, there's that way. No, no, there's not but one God, and there's not but one way. No other religion has a God that loved them so much that He came and died for them. No other religion has a God that gives them life. There's but one way to God, and that's Jesus the righteous. And He died so that we might live. Amen? Lift your hands up and worship. Thank you for joining us today. We trust you enjoyed the podcast. We extend an invitation to you to come join us in one of our services Sunday morning, 1045, Tuesday prayer, 
7.30. Thursday evening, midweek service, 7.30. We are located at 2411 69th Street, Galveston, Texas. See you there.